I imagine here among you, there are those like me that get excited about learning different ways of saying the same thing or learning how through history, since way, way back when people lived in caves, probably they created these sayings, these proverbs that had come through us from generation to generation because they are so true and because they help us to be moral and religious compasses. So when I discovered that the golden rule was not what I really thought it was or who had created, I got very, very excited and started thinking more and more about it. So many years ago, I used to think that one of the best goals in one's life was to follow the golden rule. And I thought that particularly because I thought that it was Jesus who has created that rule. Well, the fact is that we don't know who first enunciated this rule or when. But what is certain is that through the centuries, many cultures have cherished this rule as a pattern of good and moral behavior. Buddha, for example, who was born 500 years before Christ, enunciated the golden rule in this manner. One should seek for others the happiness one desires for oneself. The Romans enunciated the golden rule thus. The law imprinted on the hearts of all men, and I will say all people, is to love the members of society as themselves. And the Greeks said, do not that to a neighbor which you would take ill from. And Aristotle, in 325, before Christ, said, we should behave towards others as we wish others to behave towards us. And Hillel the Elder, you know this, many of you know this, born a few years before Christ, when asked by a Gentile to summarize the law, he said, what you yourself hate, don't do to your neighbor. This is the whole law. The rest is commentary. Go now and learn. And Jesus, being a Jew himself, enunciated the golden rule in a similar way. According to Matthew, in 7.12, he said, In everything do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. So at first, the substance of the golden rule appears to be empathy, that quality that allows us to vicariously feel the pain and joys of the other. Under closer scrutiny, though, the essence of this rule becomes self-knowledge. That is why, under certain circumstances, practicing the golden rule could be next to impossible. When we don't know ourselves, how can we know how to treat others according to the way we want to be treated ourselves? When we don't love and respect ourselves enough to be able to shake loose from destructive, addictive behaviors, how can we love or respect others? When we lack self-esteem, it is very difficult to appreciate others for their real value. Either we idealize those who we deem superior to us, or disregard those who we feel are just like us or even beneath us. Under other circumstances, 
practicing the golden rule, even with the best of our intentions, could have negative consequences altogether. For example, when we had different tastes and values, like Fred and Ted this morning in the story, and different values from those people with whom we interact, by treating them the way we want to be treated, we can invite disappointments and often resentment of their part. Had you ever been invited to a dinner where the host served or the hostess served you a good portion of meat without thinking that you were a vegetarian? Or vice versa, had you ever been served mounds of tofu when all you craved was meat and potatoes? That happened to me. Living in the Boston area, and for that matter, in this country with so many and different cultures, were we to treat everyone according to our own customs, giving them our own type of food and offering only our religious values and beliefs, disregarding theirs, guess what happened? Naturally, we will cause dissatisfaction and sometimes even want to go, go to war. You know that. So my first epiphany regarding the weakness of the Golden Rule happened when I heard the Reverend Eleanor Arman, a Unitarian Universalist minister, this is way back when, when I was very tender in this religion, uh, preaching about the problem of the Golden Rule. She said that if we wanted peace in our families, the Golden Rule was not enough, and that a Platinum Rule that helps one pay attention to the needs of others is what we really needed. Platinum, see? Upgrading. So Eleanor's idea, of course, is not originally hers. Centuries ago, I discovered, the Hindus, and many other people, of course, uh, the Hindus had said, the true rule is to guard and to do by the things of others as they do by their own. And Muhammad, Thoreau, and Kant have upgraded the golden rule in different ways. For example, Mohammed said, let none of you treat his brother in a way which he will dislike to be treated. Thoreau, criticizing the golden rule, stated, absolutely speaking, do unto others as you would that they do unto you is no means a golden rule, is by no means a golden rule, but the best of current silver. An honest man would have but little occasion for it. Kant, the great thinker, felt that the golden rule was not precise in telling us what to do, and added to it the following universal criterion for behavior. Act according to the laws which can, at the same time, be made a universal law of conduct. So think about that. I do sometimes, many times, before acting, particularly if I am alone and doing something that is not too really, really for everybody to see, I think, what would happen if everybody were to act in the same way I am about to act, or in the same way I am acting now? Just think about it. When you are going to do something that your little boy say, mm, think about it, and you still go and do it. Think if everybody was doing the same thing, how this world will be. In Matthew 7, 9, 10, Jesus himself asked the following practical question that could lead us also beyond the golden rule. He said, is there anyone among you, 
if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give him a snake? In upgrading the golden rule, I like that kind of more personal and to the core approach. A platinum rule enunciated like this, for example. Do unto others as they would like to be done unto. More simply, treat others in the way they like to be treated. Practicing the golden rule is difficult. Practicing the platinum rule would be even more challenging. This is because in order to treat others the way they want to be treated, obviously requires knowing, or at least knowing something about the other person. This, in turn, requires to guard as the Hindu rule advises. It requires us to pay attention to be thoughtful. It requires shifting the center of attention from ourselves to the other. Moreover, it requires the will to negotiate and compromise and to give of ourselves. It requires that we devote time and be creative in our relationships. But most of all, it requires that we learn to establish good communication. Oh my God, that is so difficult. We think that we, because we talk for hours and hours with somebody we really are good friends or we are intimate or we know the person. <laughs> Just imagine how much better our relationships could be if we were willing to learn what is it that the other needs from us and we were willing and able to fulfill that need. That is true openness and true empathy. If only I and all of us would practice those two virtues more often. At every Christmas, and it's just, we just had Christmas, and forgive me for remembering you that we just had all that season. At every Christmas, my rational mind is challenged listening to some of the depictions in the carols we sing. Take, for example, the carol that goes, the child, the child, you know that one? Trembling in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold, let us bring him silver and gold. Just think how much better it would be for that cold child, trembling in the cold, if we were going to sing, let us bring him blankets and warm, let us him bring blankets and warm. And it is not that I do not understand the symbolism that offering silver and gold represent. I do. But when you are physically cold, not even diamonds but the pound can make you warm. And baby Jesus was not the only one who got the wrong presents, though. You know the story. Some of us, Hannah, will have under the Christmas tree or for our birthdays beautifully wrapped gifts evidence of the lack of empathy on the part of those who sometimes want to please us. And who among us have never made that mistake? You think, oh, I like pink. I'm going to bring this beautiful sweater pink for my husband. Well, it happened. So one of my earliest cultural shocks in this country was learning that the day after Christmas is one of the busiest, if not the busiest day in this country, in the United States. All over, crowds rush to return or exchange the wrong gifts they receive for Christmas. 
And I was surprised, why this phenomenon? I would venture to say that the root cause of it is the absence of the platinum rule. Buy for others that they would like us to buy for them, right? But that takes empathy, that takes the time to ask what is what you really like. And not just at the moment when you're about to go to the store, but you know, weeks before or in conversation or you know, taking notes. I am preaching what I don't practice, but I am planning to be better. <laughs> So all that waste of time and energy, all that agonizing about what to give, to end up giving things in the wrong size, the wrong color, the wrong kind of material, or just to end up plainly giving the wrong gift. And the irony is that it, this all happens year after year in a country where there is a staggering abundance of choices to please everyone. Fortunately, these days, there are those lists for weddings, you know, when the bride and groom are deciding what they like. They don't want three coffee makers or four uh, waffle makers, you know, they put the list in the internet and say, this is what we really would like to have, or for birthdays. And at the beginning, coming from Colombia, I said, oh my God, the God that they have to, you know, to ask for that they want. I mean, they want me to buy, you know, where is the surprise? But now I see the relief I feel when I know well, they want really this book or this kind of thing, and I know where to get it. So that is much more, another a cultural, you know, cultural adjustment, but I think it's good. So um, nowhere else is the disregard for needs of others more blatant than in the field of international philanthropy. When I was working in planning, family planning international office in New York, I had to read a lot of books and articles and things about donors and philanthropy and all of that. And one really, really made me cry many times is The Lords of Poverty. I don't know if you ever had the chance to read it. But in that book, we can read case after case of big companies getting enormous tax deductions by sending their surpluses and obsolete inventories to the developing world. Imagine the revolting case of a large company dumping electric blankets by the thousand in an African tropical country where only a tiny minority has electricity and where the heat and the humidity are intense even at night. So what do you do with that electric blanket? So, but that happened a long time ago, still happening, and many of you probably remember seeing on TV that the images of this huge warehouse in Newtown, you remember? That was a month ago. They keep showing that. People keep sending and sending stuffed toys, animals, trinkets, all kinds of undescriptable things. And now the, the people that are mourning that need to have the time to be with the families and all that have to be thinking, what are we going to do with these thousands of things that we cannot use? So if they had thought before, you know, maybe they thought, well, if I send a toy, you know, stuffed animal, a child can benefit, but a thousand? What can you do with that? So before even we sent to the Red Cross, before we sent to the areas where there's flooding, let's consult with those that are helping, those who know, so that we can practice really, really the platinum rule. Do unto them. Give unto them what they really need, not what they are going to have a problem later on with. Before buying gifts, let us make sure, or, or before inviting somebody for dinner, before having any gesture of 
of um, friendship. Let's make sure that we do that from the heart, supporting and in affirming way. For us Unitarian Universalists who attempt to proclaim and affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every person, who has a goal to treat others with justice, equity, and compassion, and who affirm and proclaim the reverence for the interconnected web of all existence, that's a tall thing, it is imperative that we upgrade the golden rule and that we make the platinum rule the guide in our interactions with others. And for us members and friends of First Parish, who every Sunday recite the covenant we made with one another and with all that we hold sacred to answer the call of love, we will do well if we were vigilant in applying the platinum rule by learning to love others the way they like to be loved. Sometimes, and this, this happened to me with my mother, 